Hey sisters, Christy here from Book Club Sisterhood. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. This is where we share our weekly book discussions with you so you can listen while multitasking or enjoying your favorite drink and reading along with us. I hope you enjoy this discussion. Let's grow. Hey sisters, I'm Christy, co-founding sister of Book Club Sisterhood and welcome to week two of Enter Wild discussion. We're going to be talking about chapters six through 10 tonight. Uh, this is by Carlos Whitaker. Awesome, awesome book. Uh, if you're not reading along with us, I definitely, definitely think that you should go get it and read it with us because it's really, really good. Um, and if you don't follow him on Instagram, you definitely should. He is just changing the world through Instagram. I know that sounds crazy, but just go check out his page and his highlights. His name is Los Wit. So if you just take off the first three letters of his first name, so that's his screen name <laughs> on Instagram. Los L O S W H I T. So he's wow. They um he raised money to donate a tip to the piano guy at the Atlanta airport and raised sixty one thousand dollars from Instagram. Only Instagram people donated money to this guy to help him out. So that was really cool. Um, he's done several other things too. So go check out his page, but chapter six through 10 is what we're going to be talking about tonight of enter wild. And yeah. we're going to be wrapping up the first section of the book. So there's three sections is enter rest, enter war and enter wild. So the, the subtitle of the book is exchange a mild and mundane faith for life with an uncontainable God. So we're moving from a mild faith into a wild faith. So um, chapter six is where we're starting and it's called get specific. This is the last chapter in the enter rest section of the book. So last week we looked at, um, one of the things is the story of Moses. And when they be, when they came to the red sea, the Egyptians are hot on their heels. They get to the red sea and they're like, Oh, well, I guess it's over. I guess we're going back to Egypt. We can't go anywhere because this big sea's in front of us. And Moses just says, be still God's got this. Just stop where you're at, rest, right? We're not going to kick back and be lazy, but we're going to rest and we're going to let God do his job because our job is obedience. His job is the outcome. So that's part of what we talked about last week. If you want to go listen to episode 41 of the BCS podcast or go to the Facebook group, Book Club Sisterhood, and uh, look at last week's video, they're both posted if you are interested in that discussion. So this is week two of September. So week two of our book discussion as well. So chapter six is called get specific so that we're still in the enter rest section. Um, and we're going to get specific. So page 52 at the very bottom, <clears throat> he says, our desires don't always align with his desires, but that doesn't mean we can't ask for them. If we ask and he answers, but the answer wasn't what he had hoped for, he still spoke and our faith gets stronger. So just because you don't hear the answer that you want doesn't mean that he's not gonna grow you through it. Um, sometimes we desire things that aren't good for us and God kind of takes us on a detour off of our original path. And that's okay because he sees the big picture. We don't see what's gonna happen in 10 years, but he, he's already worked that out for us. So we have to be on his path, not our path. Um, he, he may fix the problem, but it might not be how we want him to. So a couple of years ago, my son started limping 
We had no idea why nothing like he didn't injure his leg or anything like that. Uh, we took him to the doctor, no answers. We take him to a specialist, no answers. So I was trying to fix the problem, but I'm not in charge of fixing, right? My job is to be obedient to God. So what I needed to be obedient in is giving it to him, giving him control of the situation, allowing him to take care of the outcome. And he didn't fix my son's limp. He, he changed my heart. He helped me to see that I wasn't, the limp wasn't the problem. My head was. <laughs> the problem is that I wasn't listening and I wasn't obeying. God was like, I'm going to put this problem in front of you and I want you to give it to me. And I wasn't doing that. So when I gave it over to him, he fixed my heart and helped me to see that my son was fine. Multiple doctors said like, we don't know what's wrong because he's not having any pain. He's not, he wasn't even aware that he was limping. I'd say, Hudson, why are you limping? And he would go, look, mommy, my leg's fine. He would shake it in the air and he would just walk out of the room or run or jump or whatever. And he was fine. So God helped me to see that it's not his limp. That was the problem because he was fine. So I saw my son instead of the problem in front of me, which was the limp. Eventually it went away and it was completely fine. But as soon as I gave it over to God, I didn't worry about it anymore. And that's the kicker. God fixed the problem. I was worried about my son's limp. Well, I wasn't worried anymore because I gave God the problem and he took care of the outcome, not in my timing, not in the way I wanted, but he still took care of it. And my son is fine. I mean, he walks and runs and jumps. They just went to a martial arts class this evening before we came home to do this they had a blast both of them they were kicking and punching and having a great time so um his leg is fine so like i said you know god is interested in teaching us not just giving us everything we want which is a really big problem with kids these days right <laughs> they want everything just handed to them and we can't do that as good parents we have to teach them discipline and they have everything they need, but they're not going to be allowed to have everything that they want because then what's left, they just expect things to be handed to them and don't have any discipline. They don't have any respect for adults. And that's not, I want what I want for my children. I want them to be respectful adults when they're done being children. That's why God is such a good, good father because he doesn't just hand us whatever we think is the best thing because we don't know what the best thing is because we can't see the future. So he, he's a good, good father. <clears throat> now I have the song stuck in my head. I hope I'm not the only one. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> he's a good, good father. Anyway. All right. Page 58 in the middle. He says, we don't train for the battle while we're in the battle. We train for the battle. We train before the battle begins. So you guys know that my husband had open heart surgery last year and God absolutely prepared my heart for it before. I, I didn't even know what was coming. He put the word battle in front of me and made it stand out like in flashing neon lights. That's what it felt like every time I heard it or saw it written or whatever. It was like ding, 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 ding. Like God was sending me a message through that word and it kept popping up in front of me. So I just said, you know what, God? Whatever this battle is, I don't know what it is, but you know, and I know that you're going to get me through it. No matter what, we're going to be fine. So for the first time in my life, I gave God control before I even knew what the situation was. And I think that might be the only time I've ever done that. Because 
it's hard guys. I don't know if y'all struggle like I do, but it is hard to give things over to God because sometimes I think I can do it better. I know, I know better up here. I know better, but in here, <laughs> I feel like I can do better, but I know I can't God's working on me. I'm a recovering perfectionist. You guys know anyways, but I felt complete peace and it didn't make any sense. Johnny felt it too. We were both so calm and so at peace through the whole situation. And when it was, was time for us to go through this, it was just, I mean, even one of our pastors at the hospital said like, are you okay? Like you're so calm. I was like, I know it's weird. Right. But I was not, I knew exactly what could happen if anything went wrong. And I knew that if that happened, God would take care of us. So, um, yeah. So I knew God would get us through. All right. On to part two, we're going to enter war. You guys ready to go to war? Not like in real life. We're, we're talking about spiritual war. Okay. Sure. Um, <laughs> we, we're praying that that real life war doesn't happen. But um, Chapter seven is called, this means war. So Carlos is talking about, he had a very terrible fight with anxiety a number of years ago. I think he was 27 years old. And I want to say he just turned 48 this year. Um, hope he never sees this because he's like, man, you don't know how old I am. Anyway, um, he had a very <laughs> big problem with anxiety. So on the bottom of page 58, he says, there is a distinct difference between spiritual warfare and worldly warfare. In spiritual war warfare, we have the advantage of knowing we are going to win. So if you read any, any war happening in the Old Testament, um, a lot of times, like, David will pray and say, God, if, if you want us to, we're going to go forward and take care of this group of people that are our enemies. And if it's your will let me know whether I should go. And God audibly spoke to him and said, yes, I am behind you. Let's go. We don't have that assurance, but we do have multiple places in the Bible that say that God's already won. He kicked the enemy out of heaven a long time ago. Jesus saw, um, Satan fall like lightning. So we don't have to worry about it. God knows our future. The enemy does not. So John 16, 33 says, I have said these things to you that in me, you may have peace in the world. You have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Those are Jesus words. So we know that he's in control. There is no battle that we're ever going to go through. That's bigger than God. So take heart in that. And then, um, Oh, part of Carlos's story is that he got some relief from his anxiety through, he talks about prayer therapy. He started taking medication for anxiety, um, but he wasn't living the full abundant life that we talked about last week. He was, he was settling for that 5.4%. You guys remember that? Uh, that's what he was doing. He was partially healed of his anxiety and he was just settling for that. And that's not God wants, right? God doesn't want us to stay in that 5.4%. He wants us to have a, an abundant life. Um, on page 71, toward the bottom, it says, God is committed to our maturing. He does not want us to stay where we are. 
So growing is hard. And that's why they say you have to get out of your comfort zone. Growing is not comfortable. It's going to be hard and it hurts, but we weren't meant to settle. We were made for an abundant life in Jesus. And that's what he wants for us. He's not going to just say, oh, well, yeah, you're just gonna have to deal with 5.4% of the wonderful things that I have for you. He's like, no, get up. Let's go. You have work to do. I have plans for you. Let's go. Um, so then chapter eight is about pray the promise. And I really love this because I started thinking back to things that I have said in prayer, like, am I praying the promise or am I praying the problem? So that really got me thinking, I've never thought of it this way before. So I really enjoyed this chapter at the bottom of 75. He says, my prayers were filled with woe is me instead of great is he. I thought that was pretty cool. And like I said, I never really thought of it like that before. I immediately started thinking about the way I pray. Like I said, um, I try to be a positive thinker and I try to look to the future, but I mean, we've all had hard times when you've prayed the woe is me, right? Like, Oh, I'm, I'm so anxiety ridden and I'm so sad and this sucks. And I hate this. And you know, you're speaking the enemy's lies over yourself. We need to be future thinking because everything in the past, the devil likes to remind you of all the things in the past that happened to you, because it's a reminder of all the ways that you failed. So we need to be positive thinking and forward thinking. And remember that God's already won the war, right? He's already, he's sitting on the throne. He is in charge. There is no question. There is no overtaking the King. He is the one true King, the one true God, and that will never change. So let's think forward and pray the promise. God promised us an abundant life. He promised us that he would never leave us or forsake us, right? I've said that verse so many times this year and it's, it's so good. It's Hebrews 13, five. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Um, on page 74 and 75, I love the examples of Jesus prayer. If you guys want to go look at that, um, he quotes it from John 17 verses 11 through 15. Um, but you see that there, you see him praying the promise. He's not saying, you know, oh, these enemies are coming against me and this is happening. And, oh, woe is me. Right. He's like, okay, let's fix the problem. God, you are, you are God. You gave me, um, it says, Holy father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me so that they may be one as we are. So he's praying to the future. Like let them be one in our name. Um, <clears throat> let's see page 76 the bottom of the first full paragraph there he says what ends up happening when bad situations arise is we declare and actually begin to believe the words of the enemy so the enemy makes his lies sound so believable you know, I'm anxiety ridden. I can't get out of bed. I'm, I'm hurting so much and I'm not discounting any of that, but when we pray and say, God, you got this, I'm going to be okay. You're going to, you're with me. When you start speaking God's promises over you, that changes the whole ball game. You don't give in to the enemy's lies. You have to keep looking forward. Um, he says uh, in the next paragraph there, he says, I understand 
that when we are in panic mode, it's hard to focus on the words we pray. So it's hard to change the way you pray when it's happening to you right then. Right. That's why I fully believe that God prepared me for the battle of my husband having open heart surgery, because he knew if I learned things back here, if I learned to trust him back there, I wouldn't have to learn it when the hammer came down. Right. When that bad thing happened, when the other shoe falls, you don't have to learn how to trust God. It's already there. You've already trusted him over this. So that's why I feel like it's so important for us to learn to pray the promise before the trouble comes. That's why reading your Bible and praying often, like I want to say daily, but all throughout the day, if you just find yourself sitting in a moment where you're like, you know what, this person's on my mind, let me pray for them. So pray continuously, but pray the promise over people. I just got a phone call that one of my friend's daughters hurt her arm. So we're going to pray for her, but, um, let's pray that God's going to heal her. Let's not say, Oh, poor, poor Mia. She hurt her arm. Like let's pray that she's already healed. God's already taken care of it. She, he's worked this out. She's going to be fine. Kids bounce back. It's all, it's all good. So let's just remember to pray the promise before the problem comes. If we're already in that mindset that we're going to trust God and he has this power over us, then we don't have to learn it in the moment. So set yourself up for success. You will need the scriptures when you're in time of trouble and struggle, and there's no way around it. You're going to need the scriptures. So the best time, the best time to start reading your Bible is 20 years ago. The second best time is right now, because if you're in a point of your life where you can like, you're got, got the pieces together and you're a little bit peaceful, start, start praying, start reading your Bible. Um, start laying that foundation now so that when the struggles come, you have that to fall back on. It's so important that we get that in our, in our minds. Excuse me. So John 16, 33, again, in the world, you will have tribulation. It's coming. You need the armor of God to grow you through the struggles because they're coming. Um, so in the rest of this chapter, he shares about a tour that he was booked to go on but it was canceled a week before. So that means two months of income for his family was gone. So he sat in his office trying to slave over everything, trying to fix the problem himself. Sounds familiar to me because I like to do that. So then he went out in the hallway and his son was there and his son actually encouraged him to pray the promise. So they prayed together and God showed up. He got a text that night of a pastor asking him to yes. speak at their church the next week. And it paid the same amount as that whole six week long tour, which wow, did God show up. Um, and then on page 84, I absolutely love this. He wakes. So after he gets this text message, he works out the deal with that pastor locks in the job. He goes and like starts dancing around his basement. Cause everyone's asleep. So he had to go downstairs and like freak out. And then he goes up to his son's room and wakes him up in the middle of the night. And he says, Losiah, Losiah, Hey, I got a job. Like it, it, we're good. He said, why are you surprised dad? I knew he would do it. Can I go back to sleep now? <laughs> like, I love, <laughs> I, I think that's why God says to have a childlike faith because they just believe that is good. Yeah. You know, I mean, they just believe they're just like, yeah, God's going to take care of it. Cause he said he would. So 
why question it? Why do we question things when we get older? <laughs> why? Why can't we have that childlike faith where we're just all in? God's got it. It's fine. I miss those days. Um, it definitely reminds me. I don't remember. I don't know if you guys remember um, Alter Ego. I don't think I have the book here. Alter Ego by Craig Rochelle. We uh, read a couple week, a couple months ago. Uh, his daughter had poison ivy really, really bad. And they, the doctors were saying, you know, it's going to be a couple weeks of really hard healing for her. Uh, so, you know, she, she was going to be in a lot of pain. It was going to be really hard for her to walk through. Uh, so she was like, daddy, let's just pray. God will heal me. It's fine. We'll be fine. So they prayed a bold prayer over her that she would be healed. And she woke up the next morning and the rash was completely gone. She had no pain, no bumps. Poison Ivy was completely gone. And that's, that was her response to the same as Losiah. Of course I'm healed, dad. We asked for it. Why wouldn't I be healed? Duh. Um, and that's, I love it. The childlike faith. It's so sweet. Uh, Matthew seven, seven says, ask and you will receive search and you will find knock on the door and it will be opened. So we have to ask for what we need. That's, um, I think that chapter was called bold prayer in Craig Rochelle's book, alter ego, A L T A R. So like alter, not alter ego. Anyways, really good book. I also recommend that one. Very, very good book. So, all right. On to chapter nine, all is lost again. So on page 87, he says the better life got the more confidence I felt and the more confidence I felt, the more I lost sight of the fact that it was God who was giving it to me and not me giving it to me. So I think it's sometimes easier to rely on God when you're in those valleys, right? When you're going through those struggles, because you have nothing left, you have to reach for God because you're so such a low point where you say, okay, God, I'm trusting you because I have nothing. When you're on top of that mountain though, it's easy to lose sight of who put you there. And that's why I, I'm probably going to mess this up, but the song, um, Hills and Valleys by Torrin Wells, it's so good because he talks about that. Like the hills are the low places. So I'm going to look it up because I'm going to mess it up. So let me not mess it up. But if you know the song, um, it's really, really good. All right, guys. I didn't write it down because I wasn't going to talk about it, but now I want to talk about it. <laughs> All right. So he says on the mountains, I will bow my life to the one who set me there. So in those high times, we have to remember that he put us there um, because it's so easy to, to say, ah, I got me here. It's totally fine. I'll, I'll rely on God when I, when I'm in the valley. And then the rest of the course says, in the valley, I will lift my eyes to the one who sees me there. So in that low place, you have to look up to God and just trust that he's there with you. But I love, I love that line on the mountains. I will bow my life to the one who set me there because we didn't set us there. We had nothing to do with those blessings. And that's why I thank God every day for all the many blessings that we have. Um, yeah, it's so easy to pat ourselves on the back and forget all the miracles that God did for us when we get to the top of the mountain. Um, let me see. And then on page 90, he says, our attempts to solve our own problems never provide the relief we want, right? 
um he he was what he calls self-medicating I don't know what that means he doesn't go into it in this book but he did write the book kill the spider by Carlos Whitaker um I haven't read that one yet but I want to but I think he goes more in depth of how he self-medicated but he he tried to take care of the situation himself right I, I feel like we have a lot in common he and I I think that we could get along really nicely um but he fell back into that pattern. So after he was, um, I don't know if I want to say sober, cause I don't know what the self-medicating was, but anyway, he was no longer self-medicating. He was in a good place. He found a life with a lot less anxiety. It became much more manageable. And then he fell back into that pattern. He started having, um, palpitations and then having that anxiety come back. So, and then he started self-medicating again. So he had to seek help again. So he found a therapist named John that really helped him. And he'll talk about that more in chapter 11. But on page 90, he says, our attempts to solve our own problems never provide the relief we want. So by self-medicating, he was not finding the abundant life that he was looking for. His problems weren't going away because he wasn't trusting God to take care of them. So next week... We'll talk more about John, but to finish off our discussion tonight, we're going to talk about chapter 10 and this is called, this is how we fight. So first thing that came to mind is this is how I fight my battles. I love that song. I super love that song, especially after Johnny's surgery last year. That was like my theme song. I listen to it all the time. It's such a good song and he does talk about it in this chapter. So maybe I should rein myself in. So on page 96, he talks about um, some tools that we have to use. So weapons of our warfare. So we're talking about spiritual warfare here, okay? So we're fighting the enemy. We're not fighting flesh and bone. We're fighting the spirit, the spirit of um, the enemy. So four things he lists here on the bottom of 96 that are there for us to use as our weapons. It's speaking the word of God, which we talked about in a previous chapter, and then worshiping God, overcoming the enemy's lies, and intercessory prayer. So on the top of 97, he says, when we sing these songs, we are singing biblical truths over our lives. I love to worship. Nella knows. <laughs> My mom and I really, really get into worship. It's, it's such an incredible way to get in the presence of the Holy Spirit and just, you know, they play music loud, they keep the lights dark so you can do your thing and not worry about what anybody is saying or anybody looking at you funny at our when you bake, like, just sing all the time. What? <laughs> when you bake, you just sing. Oh all yeah. The time. I turn on Alexa and just rock out. Ugh. I put on some praise and worship music and I I just sing my heart out. Nella is shocked that I know all the words to every single song that comes on. I was like, I've been listening to these songs for a lot of years. I am shocked. I've been listening to these songs for like 15, 20 years. Some of them, I I know all the words. Um, Another song he mentions in here is Raise a Hallelujah by Bethel Music. Mm. And the lyrics say, "I, I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. Um, the word hallelujah actually means God be praised. So that's a very, very, uh, I get all the feels when I sing that song because I'm giving my praise to God and there's, there's nothing higher 
than that moment when you get to praise God. Um, so, and then he talks about the song Surrounded, Fight My Battles by Upper Room. It says, so my weapons are praise and thanksgiving. This is how I fight my battles. Um, and I like, I like the other line that they sing over and over. Um, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Oh, so good. It may look like my enemy is coming around me from all sides, but I'm surrounded by God. They can't get through that barrier. That's our biggest weapon is the Holy spirit. Um, and then he says, when we take the word of God and wrap it in a melody, we are able to declare these God breathed truths over our lives. So good. Uh, let's see on page 98, he explains that we cannot just ignore the enemy. James four, seven says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So we have to resist. We have to put on the full armor of God and defend ourselves. We can't just ignore that he exists because he's still going to be coming at us. If you ignore him, he's still going to come hard for you, but we can resist him because we have the weapons in our possession to do that. Uh, and then he has a prayer, uh, prayer exercise that he does. Um, so on 99 and 100, he talks about his excuse me, his prayer exercise. So the first thing that he does is confess. So first John one nine says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So when I believe the lie that I can do things on my own, I need to confess that sin. And I do, I ask God for forgiveness for trying to fix the situation on my own. When I know that he's the one that's in control and I have, I have no, no, uh, leverage here. <laughs> But so I just ask for forgiveness every time uh, he says under confess, he says, confess that we have believed a lie and lost our belief in the truth. Number the second part, I guess, number two is renounce. So Titus 2:12. he references Titus 2, 11 through 15, but I pulled out verse 12 uh, and it says, and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. So we are in the world, but we're not to be of the world. Second Chronicles 7, 14 says, turn from our wicked ways. We have to renounce those ways. We can't be part of them. The third part that he says here is reject. So just like um, he references Acts 16, 16 through 18. And in that section, um, Paul casts out a demon from a girl. So we have to reject the lies of the enemy just like paul did to that demon he rejected it he cast it out of her um but the enemy tries to convince us that his lies are truth and we have to reject them we have to completely turn our back on him and then the last part on page 100 is replace so james 4 7 is what he references but i also wanted to read verse 8 um because it really i like that too so it says, so humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. So that come close to God, you have to replace. So when you get rid of that lie from the enemy, it leaves a hole. 
and you have to fill it with something good so that it doesn't refill itself from the enemy because he's going to keep attacking. He's not going to stop. He's going to keep coming. So you have to fill that hole with a truth from Jesus. You have to come close to him and he will come close to you and he will fill that, that void inside of you with his Holy spirit. Uh, he says on page 100, he says, wrap up your prayer by asking Jesus to come heal and restore that space, that empty space that was left when you rejected the lie of the enemy, he will come and heal and restore that space. So I really like this, this prayer exercise. It's a good, it's a, it's good steps to take to get to a place of healing and restoration. So, all right, guys, that's our discussion for tonight. I hope you enjoyed it. That was chapter six through 10 of enter wild by Carlos Whitaker. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the people of faith Bible study that I released the first video last week. It's in the Facebook group and, uh, it's also up on the podcast. If you want to listen, to I it. saw what's that. Um, I saw the Esther. Yeah. Video yet. Yeah. I'm going to see that one. Well, still. Esther was just a post that I put up. It's not a video, but it's the people of faith. Bible study. So let me know what you guys think. Yeah, I'm really the excited. In the, yeah. I'll be posting the next one probably on Thursday. Thursday or Friday is my goal uh, to post up week two. And that's going to be about Noah and uh why can't I think Abraham and his his downline, I guess you could call it his his uh descendants. So it's gonna be really okay. good. They have some I like really that stories. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be really good. So, all right. What uh, prayer requests do we have? I know Shelly's having surgery tomorrow. Let's pray for her. Uh, I just found out that my aunt and her grandkids, I know my aunt has COVID. I think all the grandkids are going to be positive too, because they all live together. So let's pray that they heal from that. Oh, man. Who's aunt? Which um, one? Steve's wife, Carol, my mom's brother, Steve. Oh, the in uh, in North Carolina, like oh, in no, Kentucky. in Kentucky. Kentucky. Yep. <clears throat> All right, oh, and then also goodness. one of my sister's friends from high school is a quadriplegic. She had a, a motorcycle accident a few years ago, but she's uh, had some respiratory problems and is having a hard time breathing. They finally got her off the ventilator, but she's requiring a lot of oxygen. So let's pray that her lungs get healed and she can, uh, they're trying to get her up to Cleveland to get a second opinion, but pray for her. Anything else? Okay. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the freedom to gather together, Lord. Thank you for giving us your word and making it accessible to us. God, we know that in other countries, they don't have that same privilege, Lord. And we just thank you so much for the things that we've been provided. God, help us not to forget that we have that opportunity to access your word. God, we just love you. And again, we thank you for being able to come together in your name. Lord, we pray for Shelly as she goes into surgery tomorrow. God, help her to heal quickly and help the doctors to have steady hands and, and get things done as they need to be. Lord, just please be with aunt carol and the kids lord we just pray that you will heal their lungs um, help them to get over 
the COVID virus and to not have complications, God. We just lift up Sarah right now, God. We know that you're looking over her. Just please help her to heal, just help her lungs to heal and help her to get off the oxygen so that she doesn't have to get any further interventions, God. We pray that you will just lift her up and help her to know you. God, that's the most important thing. We just ask that she knows you and has a relationship with you, God. We love you so much. And in the name of Jesus, we just, we're just so happy to be able to gather in your word, God. Thank you so much for Carlos Whitaker. God, we just pray over him as he's you know, doing so many great things for the community. God, we just thank you for allowing him to or helping him to write this book so that we can benefit from uh, your inspiration. God, we love you so much. And we thank you. It's in your name. We pray. Amen. So we're going to talk about chapters uh, 11 through 15 of enter wild by Carlos Whitaker next week. I've said that name of that book like 10 times tonight, but it's okay. It's really good. Hopefully y'all will remember the name if you're, if you haven't already read it. Um, so that's it. So be looking out for that people of faith, um, video. Oh yeah. In the book club sisterhood, Facebook group, as well as on the BCS podcast. So have a good night guys. Love you. Good night. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the BCS podcast. If you would like to chat with us, please join our community on Facebook book club sisterhood, and you can find us on Instagram as book club sisterhood as well. We can't wait to hang out with you again next week. Let's grow.